Welcome to Destiny Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Eric Smith. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit destinydayton.com. Hebrews chapter 11. If you're there, say, oh yeah. All right, here we go. I don't know how much I'm going to read. Yeah, I think I do. I actually do know how much I'm going to read. Okay, I'm going to go Hebrews 11, start with uh, verse 1, and we're going to read down to 11, and then we're going to pick up some other elements of this passage a little later. Here's something I'm going to ask. Nobody from this point forward, unless it's an absolute emergency, please do not get up and walk out, all right? I want to, this is not going to be an exceptionally long message by any means, but it's going to be very important. I feel like God has given me a word today. I'm, good, I'm talking fast, right? I'm going to give you a fresh perspective on faith as the Lord imparted into my heart today and this week as I study and prepared, and I'm not going to repeat same phrases that you've heard all your life about what faith is, because we're going to read a real familiar passage here. Hello. All right. We have massive misunderstandings what faith is, because you see people without Jesus are going to hell. See, I want to start with the most shocking, realistic, honest statement I can. If you don't have Jesus, you'll go to hell, straight up. Say, well, I don't believe that. Doesn't matter what you believe. Truth is true whether you believe it or not. We live in a world today where they think, well, truth is subjective, and if I don't believe it, it doesn't exist, you're, you're gravely mistaken. And it's important, I say that because it's important that God's people, we understand who we are and who we're dealing with up here. It's important to understand the God of the universe, what he has done and what he has put inside of us and what he expects from us. Because it's a pretty shocking statement when we get along to about verse 6 here. And I want us to grasp the power of what it means to have faith because today when we talk about faith, people think it just means believing in God. And I want to say that that's good. That's a good thing, but that is so rudimentary. That is so elementary, right? If you believe in God, wonderful. You will join company with the demons because the Bible says the demons in hell believe. That's wonderful. It's a great first step, but that is not faith. There's a whole other element to faith, and I want to touch on those two whole other elements today because I believe it'll change your life if you'll grab what the Word of God is saying today. I believe that with all my heart. Not because I'm saying it, because it's the Word of God. Remember, I didn't say, if you believe what I'm saying. No, I said, if you believe what God's Word is saying in Hebrews 11, it will absolutely change your Christian life. It'll change your boring Christianity that some, a lot of people have today. It's sad. I, I don't understand how you could serve the God of the universe and be bored doing it. Probably A lot of because, because people really don't have Jesus. They've got religion. Religion is exceedingly boring. If it was religion for me, I'd sit on my phone the whole time and look at Facebook while someone's preaching too. I'd do the same. Because if you don't have Jesus, that's all you have. You have religion. And I want to tell you, just like the, the Word of God is living and active, can I tell you our faith is living and active? Why? Because God gave us the faith. How many know you don't even have faith in your heart to get saved? How many know that God gave it to you or you wouldn't have it? Do we understand this? So anything God gives is living and active. Faith is a living and an active entity that drives us, that sets the course of our future, that enables us to do great things for God. I want to tell you, again, and you've heard me say this before, but so many people treat faith like it's a moose head on the wall or it's a t-shirt that we bought. Yeah, I got the t-shirt, been there, done that, bought the t-shirt, and that's, what, that's why their Christianity is so dead, if it's Christianity at all, because if you got a hold of what Jesus Christ the King is giving, it's alive. 
alive and it's active and it'll change you and it'll inform your views and it'll inform your life and it'll inform your behavior. Oh yeah, Hebrews, I got to read it. Okay, here we go. Hebrews 11, now faith is being sure, and I'm reading out of the New English translation because I like it a lot, all right? It's my favorite translation now. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for. Some say, Pastor Eric, what's the best translation to read of the Bible? And my answer is always the one that you'll read the most. Find one that you like and read it. Now as long as it's, it, it's within orthodoxy, all right? Don't get some of these screwy translations that have been changed, right? But, but okay. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for, being convinced of what we do not see. You saw that illustrated by my friends, Greg Owens and Sarah Owens. They spoke here three years ago, shared that vision of planting churches in South Africa. They said, I remember him when he was here, he said, we're going in and we will plant churches. We will see people saved. And sure enough, we just saw the, the video there. That's exactly what they've been doing, right? Faith is being sure of what we hope for, being convinced of what we do not see. For by it, people of old receive God's commendation. The whole sermon's going to be right in those first two verses, but I'm going to keep going just a little bit for more context. By faith, we understand that the worlds were set in order at God's command, so that the visible has its origin in the invisible. Everyone say that the visible has its origin in the invisible. So by faith, Abel offered God a greater sacrifice than Cain, and through his faith he was commended as righteous because God commended him for his offering. And through his faith he still speaks, though he is dead. You want to have a legacy? Leave a faith behind that still speaks. You want your kids to talk well about you? Let them, let them tell stories of how you had faith that still speaks. My mom had radical faith. My goodness, my dad, boy, they, they, they had nothing. And God, boy, they just said God's going to provide. And I, come on, those stories that are waiting to happen, that are building your legacy and building my legacy. If you look at Christianity more than a T-shirt. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he did not see death. And he was not to be found because God took him up. For before his removal, he had been commended as having pleased God. Now without faith, here's verse 6. Read this with me. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For the one who approaches God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Now, some of you have a translation that says diligently seek. Don't worry if you don't. That word seek in the Greek, it implies diligent seeking. So if it's not there, it's just because there's a redundancy. It, it's, it's a seek. And if you think of the word seeking, if you're seeking something, right, that, that alone kind of gives you the, the urgent, diligent feeling. I'm seeking out. I'm trying, right? You, you, you don't say I'm just looking for it. I'm seeking it, right? So it, there's a diligent seeking after God. Believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, when he was warned about things not yet seen, with reverent regard, constructed an ark for the deliverance of his family. Through faith, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out on a, to a place that he would later receive an inheritance. And he went out without understanding where he was going. 
By faith he lived as a foreigner in a promised land as though it were a foreign country, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, who were fellow heirs of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with firm foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, even though Sarah herself was barren and was too old, he received the ability to procreate because he regarded the one who had given him the promise to be trustworthy. Stop there for now. Lord Jesus, I love you. God, I pray that your word would just explode in our hearts today. In Jesus' name. Lay your hand on your heart, y'all. Say, God, I pray that your word would just explode in me and change me. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, God. Let your word come to life inside of me. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. 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 You may be seated. So the Hebrew faith that we see, Hebrews 11, isn't just faith, it's faith. Let me say that again. The kind of faith being described in Hebrews chapter 11 isn't just faith, it's faith. All right, you ready to dive a little bit deeper onto this? This is, this is the, the two thoughts that I want to I drop into your heart today because this is what the Lord dropped in my heart this week. I just felt like the Lord gave me some, some revelation here, and I just want to share this. I want you to see this morning, first of all, that faith is the confident expectation that God is who He says He is. Now, that statement, it may read easy, maybe, I don't know, but when you read that, understand what that means. Understand the full impact of that. Think of your life. Think about your tomorrow. Think about your routine through the day. Think about where you're going and where you've been in life. Now understand, here's faith. It's a confident expectation that God is who He says He is. And when we believe God, not just believe in God, again, that is important, and I don't want to undersell that, but we have to understand that we also must believe that he rewards those who seek him. See, that means the kind of faith being talked about here is a kind of faith that not only informs my behavior and my lifestyle, but we know if someone has faith, then the next question should be, are you approaching God knowing he will reward you for diligently seeking him out? Ponder for a second that. Oh, well, I have faith. Okay, great. Are you living every moment with the expectation that God's going to reward you for how you live? That's faith. That's, how, that's what's being defined here. How about are we approaching the situation we are facing like God is our only hope and our only salvation? Because that's the kind of faith that is in view here in Hebrews chapter 11. You see, it's one thing to say we have faith, but to live in fear, my friends, is to have faith in Satan. To have faith in God, it means that I've got this confidence, this expectation that God is really who he says he is. And if the God of the universe is really who he says he is, that changes everything for me. I promise I get up here with the intent not to yell and scream, but I just get so excited. And I just get so fired up, it just comes out. So just, it, I am what I am at this point. I 
I mean, we all have battles. We all have struggles. But I want to tell you, to continue to live in a fear and a doubt and a loathing and at a level that, that, it, that belies what we say we believe, something is wrong. Because faith is the confident expectation that God is who he says he is. And if God is who he says he is, that changes how I look at everything in life. Or at least it should. Doesn't matter what I go through. Doesn't matter what I'm dealing with. If God is who he says he is, that's all I need to know. Because I'm going to believe in him. I'm going to believe who he is. I'm going to believe who he says he is. You see, that's the faith that will cause your mountains to move. I'm convinced that some of us have mountains that we can't move, and certainly we've all had those, those things that we've tried to overcome and those breakthroughs that we're waiting for. But I want to tell you, there is a mountain-moving faith, but behind that faith is somebody who has confident expectation that God is who he says he is, and he's going to come through. It doesn't matter how many runs you're down in the ninth inning. It doesn't matter how deep in the game in the fourth quarter you're trailing. It doesn't matter how sick the doctor's report was or how horrible the, the, the referral you got from the hospital I want to tell you if you have a confident expectation in who God is and you believe who he says he is that will change your outlook that will change your level of faith we want to see God do something move something transform something guess what that tangible thing that we're looking for has roots in the intangible that sounds kind of familiar because I just read it. <laughs> that visible thing, that healing, that breakthrough, that whatever it is, that visible thing, it has its roots in the invisible. What's that invisible? My unshakable faith in God and who he says he is. That our God's going to come through no matter what. That's faith. That's faith. That's why negativity, sarcasm, those are enemies of faith. And in our culture, people speak sarcasm fluently. I think there's even a meme about that. I speak sarcasm fluently. I said, thanks for the heads up. I know not to hang around you ever. <laughs> we do negativity really well in our culture. What is that? That's the antithesis of confident expectation that God is who he says he is. See, if we want to see God do something great, we have to understand that that breakthrough, that visible, tangible breakthrough is going to be birthed in the unseen. It's going to be birthed in the invisible. It'll probably be birthed when no one is looking, when no one sees you, when no one hears you except God, when you are crying out to the Lord, when you are saying, God, here's what I'm up against. Here's what I'm facing. And I, I, I want to tell you, in those moments, faith I believe with all my heart, God imparts faith that will move mountains. God will impart faith that will raise the dead. God will impart faith that will heal the sick. Confident expectation. When we believe that God is who he says he is, think of the implications on this. I want to take you to nature for a second here because this is the Lord was showing me this morning. You know, Psalm 19 says the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. In 2021 English, basically, when you look at creation, you're seeing a reflection of who God is. 
Now, most of us think immediately, well, the beauty. Well, yeah, there's the beauty, but how about how the beauty works? <laughs> right? So the heavens declare the glory. The firmament shows his hand. In Genesis, God says as long as the earth remains, there would be seasons, spring, summer, harvest, and winter. Daniel says it's because of God that causes the seasons to change. Did you know this in the book of Jeremiah? God says that he has a covenant with the day and a covenant with the night. So this is the thing I was thinking this morning. You know, we might take the sunrise for granted, but I would like to tell you each and every day, my friends, we have a powerful example of God's faithfulness to us because it says in the word of God that he has a covenant with the sun coming up and the sun going down. Now, see, people that don't believe in God say, well, that's, that's just the way. Well, yeah, who made that? Hello? Or that's just the science? Yeah, who created the science for that to work? I have no problem. People are like, well, look at the science. Great. Well, God created the science. So when we get out over our skis, we try to come to conclusions sometimes, and we forget the fact that somebody started this whole thing. The Bible says God has a covenant with the sunrise and the sunset. It's in the book of Jeremiah. You can look it up. He has a covenant. So every day we have a powerful example of the faithfulness of God and who, who God is. He's a God like the sun rises. And I understand that is a terrestrial perspective. We all know the sun doesn't really rise. The earth rotates and it revolves around the sun. It's actually from the earth moving that the sun looks like it's rising. But it's okay. It's not incorrect to say the sun rises because that's a perspective of everyone who's ever lived on this rock. It rises and it sets. But probably no one sits around and questions whether the sun will rise tomorrow, do they? We take it for granted, don't we? You can imagine people sitting around, well, what do you think, Earl? Are we going to have sun tomorrow? Will it rise? I, I don't know, Ethel. Sure hope it does. See, we don't question it. And, and, and some, maybe, you know, because you've got a weather app that tells you the time of the sunrise, and, and some because that's always how it's functioned. It's always done that since the beginning of time. But I'd like to remember the fact it's because when the God of the universe created everything, he made a covenant with all these created systems and all these created functions, and he says, boys, this is how it's going to roll until I tell you otherwise. He set it in motion. So as a result, every night when we go to bed, we go to bed convinced of something we can't see. The sunrise. We never even question it. Who in here, be honest, have you ever questioned the sunrise? I know if you're a Michigan fan, every year in the fourth week of November, it's like they've lost to Ohio State like clockwork. And that, but they've, they've come to accept the fact that the sun still rises the next day. Love you, Brother Raekwon. Because, see, I was questioning sunrises in the 90s. So <laughs> We never sit and question the sunrise. We know it's going to happen. Here's what the Lord said to me today. What if we begin believing God with that level of certainty? 
What when we prayed for people, we wouldn't think about all the things that could go wrong or it may not happen or it does. Who knows? Is it going to really get healed or I'm going to look stupid? Who cares? Why don't we pray with the confident expectation that God is who he says he is? We don't have the answer to all the problems, but I do know the Bible has revealed God as the healer. He is the deliverer. He is the baptizer, right? So I'm going to stand there even when I have questions, even if I'm looking foolish because I prayed for somebody and nothing happened. It's okay because God is still the healer. I'll take the blame for it. If someone's not healed, I'll take the blame for it. But the Bible has revealed God as a healer, as a deliverer. He's the one that makes the sunrise. I know that I can have faith in that God, so that's where I'm going to stand. But I submit to you, if we began becoming convinced of the unseen realm and the goodness of God and the promises of God that rise to the level of we never question the sunrise, right? We, we never question whether the sun's going to come up or not. And that let that begin to inform our thoughts and inform our behaviors and inform the words that we speak. It informs our language. So instead of cursing our children or cursing our friends and telling them, oh, you're going to be a screw up. You're going to, you know, instead of talking that way, that, that belief in God, the confident expectation of who he is, it's going to inform everything we do, everything we say. How would it be different in your life if you lived that way? How would it be different? See, we're trying to get this off of the pages and into action in our life. There's a lot of people that read the Bible that don't believe the Bible. Well, they think they do. But you know when you can tell is when times get tough. Let them go through a trial. Let them get a diagnosis. Let all hell break loose in their life. Then you'll see how real it is what they believe. You see, that's where the irony comes into this. That's where the Bible tells us that God acts the best and the greatest on our behalf. We have a whole chapter full of examples, too. Didn't even read them yet. And what's killer is some, some of them didn't even get what they were praying for. It says it, and they still believed. This is crazy. Some of them chose not to be released from prison so they could get a greater reward from the Lord. I know we don't like talking about that kind of theology, but there it sits in Hebrews 11. They were pulled in two. They were killed at the sword. They were boiled. They didn't even get, they, they, they were praying for release and freedom. They didn't get it. And the Lord said they're commended now for their faith. Because, see, we understand that when we believe in God, we, almost, we also must believe that he rewards those who seek him. So, see, we're not just living for right now. This is certainly part of it, but it's just a small tip of the iceberg of it. We are also living for the day when we're going to be rewarded. This is something else we don't like to talk about either, but there it is in Scripture. God will reward those who seek after him. Are we getting this today? could bring up guys like Daniel thrown in the lion's den 
you know, I, I don't, I know, I don't want to lump us all in together, but just, just be honest. Let's look. If you had an American Christian thrown in the lion's den, yeah. See, <laughs> people laughing. Yeah. See, <laughs> climbing the wall, freaking out. Oh, where are you, God? You left me. Oh. And I'm not saying Daniel didn't have a couple moments of angst. <laughs> he did. Maybe Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is a better story for that. And they bound them and drugged them, kicking and screaming to throw them into the furnace. Said nothing like that in the Bible. No, we have rights. You can't do that. Uh, why are you hating on me? Uh, where's God when we need him? Uh, Just trying to get you, get you to grasp what real faith is. Maybe one of the greatest, I'm sure there's plenty of others, I know there is, but it's one of the greatest examples of real faith in the Old Testament's in the book of Daniel when those three young men were thrown into the fire. Why would God let me go through this? Well, say all that facetiously because they said none of that. You know what they did say? God is able to deliver us, but even if it doesn't, so I think we lack that in our lives. We lack that even if he doesn't part, because see, that's faith speaking. Even if he doesn't, that's what John the Baptist had to come to the conclusion preach that Jesus is coming, he's going to set captives free, and here's John the Baptist, he's a captive in prison. He was questioning. He sent his disciples, Jesus, are you really the one or are we seeking another? Because here I am in prison. And, and Jesus is like, I know, John, and I'm sorry you're not going to get out of prison. But blessed is he who's not offended because of me. That's what Jesus said. Sometimes there's divine purposes and things that may be beyond our, our realm of understanding, but God just simply asks us to have faith, faith that moves mountains, because faith is a confident expectation that God is who he says he is, and he will reward that, if not in this life, in the next for sure. But God will reward faith, and God, it, listen, if we're going to have faith to accomplish anything on this planet, it's going to come with that kind of faith. We live in such a culture of negativity that there's an abundance of folks who like to say, maybe you've heard this before. You ever had anyone say, told you so? Told you so. I see people do this to each other on Facebook. Brother, with the way you're talking, and I'm going to get the popcorn, and I'm going to watch your church fall apart, and I'm going to watch this happen, and I'm going to watch you train wreck your life, and I'm thinking, are these Christians talking to each other? Oh, I'm here for that. I'm here for the train wreck that's coming. What? Are these people really, they really know Jesus? Have you ever noticed that? There's some negative Nancy, and they prophesy doom, and they gleefully sit back and wait for it so they can say, see, see, told you so. You know what I would love is a company of people that will flip the script on that to a positive statement. 
In other words, when there's a God breakthrough, a healing, a deliverance, a baptism, a salvation, we have a company of people that will say, told you so, someone with faith with nearby, and they can say, I knew that was going to happen. That's what we were praying for. I told you God wasn't going to leave you alone. I told you God was going to heal you. What if we changed that and made that a positive statement? Told you so. Faith is the substance of things hoped for to the evidence of things not seen. It's believing God that he is who he says he is. Remember a few years ago, we were down one of the last times I was in El Salvador. We've got to go back to El Salvador soon. We were out witnessing door-to-door in neighborhoods. And these folks brought us in. They said the, the lady in the house was really sick. And I remember going in, and I saw this lady laying there, and obviously by her face, you could tell she didn't feel good. But, you know, the only external thing that I could see was wrong is her lips were just, like, really swollen. It almost looked like she had, like, too much Botox or something or whatever they call that. And it was like her lips were just super swollen. And I don't know if she had some kind of infection. Of course, you know, not being fluent in Spanish. Okay, not fluent. I don't speak Spanish. I have a little Spanish, right? But I, I had no idea what was going on. I just, I just knew they were saying she's sick, doesn't feel good. So... I began to pray, and I just suddenly felt like God is going to heal this woman. I just, I was convinced of it. I was convinced God was going to, and I thought, it's going to be right now. I was like, watch this, these lips are going to go down, the swelling is going to happen. I just knew it, and I laid my hands on her in the name of Jesus, right? We were praying, and I don't know, I can't remember if they were interpreting for me or not. It didn't matter because I wasn't praying to people. I was praying to God. In the name of Jesus, devil, take your hands off of God's property. I pray healing power to flow into her body right now from the top of her head to the bottom of her feet. I opened my eyes, and she still laid there. Swollen lips, looking sick. So I can't remember if we prayed again, and we probably prayed again. We probably, let's do it again. Line it up. In the name of Jesus, devil, get your hands off. Nothing happened. So for a moment there, I was kind of like, what happened, Lord? I knew that lady's going to get healed. I knew. So we finished out our route, went back, did our thing for the evening, went back to that neighborhood the next day, like the next section. Early in the morning, right, like 127 degrees at 9 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> if y'all been there, you know, it's toasty. <laughs> very toasty. Very beautiful, but very toasty. Some kid comes running up to us. Begins speaking to our team leader in Spanish. Our team leader begins to smile. He looks at me. <laughs> and I was sitting there. I was still thinking about that lady from the day. I was like, Lord, how did, how did I fail? The team leader looked over at me and said, hey, Pastor, remember that lady with the swollen lips you prayed for yesterday? <laughs> I said, yeah. Woke up today completely healed. Completely <laughs> healed. You see, sometimes I think... Speaking of getting ahead of our skis, we, we, we pray, and sometimes if it doesn't happen instantly, we forget that, you know what, God's working right now. And sometimes it may take a few hours. It may take a few weeks. It may take a year or two. If you're praying for people, Abraham had a promise that took 30 years to come to pass. 
How'd you like to live with that problem? You're going to have a son. Well, I'm 90. How can I have a son? Trust me, you're going to have a son. You know, 30 years later, he had, <laughs> they, think they might have given up by then. Faith doesn't let you give up. All I know is about 9 o'clock in the morning there, those sweet people of El Salvador that lived in that neighborhood heard a very large gringo out on the street, a street yell, boom, as loud as I could. That was me celebrating what I'd heard. <laughs> I'll spare your ears this morning. But that just fired me up. Just remind me of the goodness of God. If we will live, if we will pray, if we will act, if we will do everything in our life, right, because we, all, we do all this to the glory of God, whatever it is, if we will live with that confident expectation that God is who he says he is, I guarantee it will change your life. I guarantee it will change your life. Secondly, and I'm going to close. Just two points here today. I don't know how many we'll have next week. I'll pray. We'll see. We'll see what God says for next week. But this is where I'm at today, okay? Faith is a responsibility taking action that causes us to perform acts that please God. Someone says they, they have faith. Let me say, but what are you doing? It's a great question. Oh, I have faith in God. Okay, how you how you proving that? Well, I, I, I just believe. No, 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 no. Faith is an action. Faith is a verb. Faith, in fact, is a responsibility taking. Faith says I take responsibility for stuff around me. I take responsibility for this place because Jesus gave us the keys to authority. He said, boom, your turn. Now all authority that I have, you have. Now go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all things that I have commanded you. So we have been handed the baton, and sometimes it seems like Christians are hunkered down, praying for an invasion from heaven, and God is sitting in heaven waiting for his church to rise up with the authority that he handed us and the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit that he handed us. Why? So we could do the work of heaven. So as Jesus taught us to pray that it could be in earth as it is in heaven. I'm going to take responsibility for what's going wrong with. See, see if we, what, if we, what if Christians would view the, this country this way? Instead of blaming everybody else. How about we go Jesus on people and what he told the disciples when he, before they fed the 5,000 people? He said, what did Jesus say famously to the disciples? You feed them. <laughs> Lord, all these people are hungry. We have, oh, you feed them. What? Have you seen our tithe and offering the past three months? Did you know, God, we had COVID last year and people aren't coming back like they were? Our best tithers have moved away from the church and we're trying to make it and we can't move. Well, God, it's my parents' fault. It's my mom's fault. It's my dad's fault. It's culture's fault. It's society's fault. Now you're 47. It's time to stop blaming your parents. But as a church... Excuses kill us. They don't hold water with this kind of faith. Are you with me? Because you see in verse 2, that's what brought commendation of God, and we see that reinforced throughout this chapter, was faith. 
And in verse, verse 6, it's reinforced again because without faith, we can't even please God. This is what I'd like to tell you today. Where excuses flow, faith is not found. I'm tweeting that out right now. Just spell it right, please. Where excuses flow, faith isn't found. I just, I just want to pause on that. That was revelational for me. It will be for you too. I'm convinced as a, as a pre- preacher of the gospel, what feeds me will feed you. So if you're making excuses in your life, it shows a lack of faith. If you're blaming other people, if you're blaming COVID, if you're blaming last year, you're blaming this, blaming that. I'm, talking, I'm preaching to myself too right here, right? This, this wrecked me yesterday. I was getting ready for something, and God spoke to me. I was getting ready, and I had to run down, and I got to write this down. Your excuses reveal a lack of faith. If we can't take responsibility for things, you're, you, how can you have faith for it? Before Jesus did miracles, you notice how many times it says he had compassion on people? You know, you know what compassion is? That, that's, that's sort of, that, that's, that's very related to taking responsibility for them. No, no, I know it's a little different, it's a little nuanced, a little different, but, but w- when you really have compassion on somebody, when you really say, you know, we gotta, somebody's got to do something, because compassion will say, I've got to do something. I've got I to gotta, I gotta help them. I've got I to gotta show love here. I've got I to gotta really let the mercies uh, 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 of God flow right now, right? So that will cause you to move. That will cause you to act. See, if you can't take responsibility for it, how are you going to have faith for it? See, it's easy to pray revival for this country. Well, I'm not taking responsibility for those yahoos in Washington. Or those yahoos in Columbus or whatever yahoo there is. I don't know. That take responsibility, then we can have faith for something. Because when we do that, that will lead to action that causes God to perform acts that please him. Is this making sense? So if I'm making excuses, I'm probably not walking by faith. Why? Because I'm giving the reason for my defeat in advance. (laughs) Well, you know, I can't do that because I'm old. (laughs) You're only 53. Come on. How old? I mean, (laughs) well, wait till you're 53. Right? insert age in here there's our excuse ah, i'm too young i'm too old i'm too yeah well you know what it, 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 you're prophesying your own failure every time you give an excuse but faith in actions is taking responsibility for what's happening right now because here here track me with me here by faith abel did what he gave those the verbs he gave a better sacrifice how by faith his faith in god led him to do something that's why faith can't be a t-shirt. Faith can't be just believing God exists. Faith can't be a deer head on the wall, even though it's a nice 10-pointer. That's nice. That's not faith. Not biblical faith. Right? By faith, Enoch did what? He walked with God. Action. He did something. He was commended for it, Bible says. By faith, Abraham did something. What did he do? He left his homeland. It didn't even make sense. He left his, he left his homeland, and he went and lived in the desert. Why? 
he believed God. And that belief in God caused him to take a responsibility posture in taking action that caused God to be pleased by the acts that he did. That's a confusing sentence, but I think you know what I'm saying right there. You see, I think part of our problem goes back to a faulty understanding of the armor of God described in Ephesians 6. I think we have a faulty understanding of that. First of all, we remember whose armor is that? God's armor. So specifically the shield of faith. Now, we, we, now see, we, we, we've, we've all had the little artist renditions, and that's partially why we've got a misconception of these things. But th this is God's armor, right? Okay, so when you th well, our concept of a shield is like we're hunkered down behind it while the enemy is shooting fiery darts. Oh, we're going to hold our shield, brother. Okay, do you really believe that's God in heaven? He's hunkered down behind his shield saying, oh, come on, devil, don't shoot any more darts at me. Hello? No. You see, no one ever went into the battlefield with only a shield. The shield was there only to protect them while they did what? Attack. Fight. Strapped over their shoulder. Maybe up front if they had a spear. That kind of thing thrown over their shoulder so when they were fighting no one could stab them in the back but I want you to see shield the, the shield of faith that God has given us I want you to see it a little different I want you to think of like the iron dome over Israel y'all know what that is that's a, a missile defense system daily Hamas rockets fly into Israel trying to kill Israelis. They've got this missile defense system that picks those up and shoots up intercepting missiles and blows them up before they ever hit the ground. I want you to think of your faith as that sort of a thing. It doesn't mean you're hunkered behind Jack Diddley's squat, but what it means is you're on the defensive or you're on the offensive and you are pushing forward and you are fighting this fight and you are acting for God and you are serving as Jesus with skin on here on this planet. And while you are doing that, you have got this powerful iron dome around you called faith that's not going to, that the devil's junk is not going to affect you. A shield, I mean, that was, that was the metaphor the Holy Spirit gave Paul. And we've always assumed this Roman-styled object. But, but as, as we think of faith as a shield, think, think bigger. Think broader. Think more powerful than that. Think I'm not hunkered down, but I'm on the attack. I'm moving forward. I want to tell you that the opposite of faith isn't necessarily fear. This is another misunderstanding. Because I can have faith in the middle of fear. How many of you know that? But what I can have if I have faith, are you ready? This is another, an, uh, something else God gave me. What I can't have if I have faith, if I really have faith, is inaction or inactivity. I have faith, Pastor. Okay, why are you inactive? <laughs> you don't have faith then. If you have faith, what are you doing with it? Because faith implies I'm about it, <laughs> Right? Faith is I'm, I am flexing on the devil because not because of anything I have, because the power of God is resident inside of me. And that is my only flex that God is awesome and that God is powerful and he lives inside of me. And I want to tell you something. As we face the enemy, that, that is the faith that overcomes. That is a faith that moves mountains. 
So if I have faith, I can't have inactivity or inaction. Because the opposite of faith really is spiritual paralysis. Let me say it that way. The opposite, I don't believe the opposite of faith is fear. I believe the opposite of faith is spiritual paralysis. See, tithing is a faith action. Fear wants me to hold on to my money. Faith says, no, God supplied it. God will keep me going. Here's my tenth to the Lord. See, if we don't have, I, I, I say this all the time, and I think I borrowed it from Bill Johnson or somebody, but if we don't have faith to give and tithe, how do we have faith to get saved? You're going to give your eternal soul to somebody that you don't have faith to give 10, doc, 10 bucks or 10% of, of your income? to the, you, that, that just doesn't square with me. You see, these are practical ways. That's what I'm saying. You can't have faith and have spiritual paralysis. You can't have faith. See, tithers are people that have faith. And I'm just saying one thing here. But, but, but people that are actively moving and attempting things for God, whatever it is, those are people who have faith. That's why the opposite of faith isn't fear. It's paralysis. The opposite of faith is also blame. And I, again, I'm preaching to myself here right now as well. I believe it's time for the church to rise up and shake off every excuse and embrace our faith as the weapon that it is. And if our faith is weak, let's get on our face and ask God for more. And let's begin to use our faith, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, as the weapon it is intended to defeat our enemy and push the borders of the kingdom of God forward here in Dayton, Ohio. Let's do it. Bear with me. No more blaming COVID. No more blaming anybody. No more blaming society. No more blaming culture. Because timid faith will be intimidated. Timid faith is not really faith at all, my friends. And God has not given us the spirit of timidity or the spirit of fear. This week when I was Working out on my elliptical, I, I, I try to watch something on my iPad while I'm doing it to help fire me up because it's kind of monotonous. <laughs> Hello, right? Treadmill running or whatever, that's monotonous. So I see this TED Talk. I think, that's pretty cool. Here's this guy named Jocko Willink. How many guys have heard of Jocko Willink? You were right, Anthony, about four or five people. Yep. So Jocko, if you saw his picture, he looks like his helmet, his head belongs into a Spartan helmet. This guy looks like uh, the ultimate warrior type guy because he is a former Navy SEAL. And he is just one of these hardcore, Dylan, you know who it is, right? You know, <laughs> you're with me, right? He's this hardcore. He's on, in fact, everybody brings him in now to talk on leadership and things like that. He was a, he was a, a commander in the Navy SEALs and uh, just an amazing story, a lot of the things that he's been through. If you follow this brother on, on, on Instagram, he's got, a, he's got about 50 pictures of this right here. It's his arm with, with his watch showing 4.30 in the morning. Because he says he gets up, and, he, and you, I know he does, right? You believe him, right? You hear this guy talking, like, oh, yeah, he does. He gets up at 4.30 every morning because he said, I got to work out so I can earn my sunrise. So he gets up, runs his 10, 15, 20 miles, whatever it is, every morning. Every morning. And look at my, you, you have to do it now. But, but, but yeah, it's okay if you do. But you, you will see a bunch of pictures. He said, I am up. 
I'm going to earn my sunrise today. But in his TED Talk, he is talking about how radical it is to take responsibility and how important it is that we take responsibility and how that, that's such a key of leadership. And he said he was in Ramadi, Iraq back in 2006, and he was leading. the, the, the Remember, they, they, they trained the Iraqi forces that, that, that were in the country, and, and they were like our allies. And then they had a, a, some army and some, or some Marines and some uh, army guys, and then they had, a, they had a team of SEALs, and all these groups were working together trying to defeat Al-Qaeda. And Ramadi was like the city, that was like the flashpoint where everything was just like, whoa, it really came to a head there. And he said, you know, you learn a lot of things in war. He said, war is a lot of terrible things, but he said, war is also a brutal teacher. He said, you will learn the absolute worst about humanity and you will also learn and see the best of people during these times. He said an especially intense battle broke out. He said the fog of war moved in. He said it got crazy. And he said the, 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 the guns began blazing. They began firing and, and, and everything began going crazy. And he said they committed the greatest sin you can ever commit in war. They committed fatricide. Fratricide. It's called friendly fire. They didn't realize some things went wrong and they were shooting each other. He said as a result of that, one of the friendly Iraqi soldiers was killed. Two of them were injured and one of his own guys were injured. Fortunately, he said only one man was killed considering how bad it really was. He said when, when they realized it, of course, they stopped and he said it was just a horrible feeling. He said when they got back to base, the Overwatch commander sent him a message, said, I want you to suspend all operations. And he said that means someone coming to get their head chopped off. Someone's going to have to pay for this mistake. And he said, I was, the, I was the commander over everybody on the ground. He said, I was called before a commission, the Overwatch commander, the general, they all came and they wanted an accounting by me of what happened and what went wrong that day. And he said, as I was preparing the debriefing, he said, I was writing down. And he said, yeah, he said that he, he had everyone's name. This guy did this wrong. This commander, did, this sergeant took his men without letting us know and went over here. And he had it all written down, but he said, I didn't feel good about any of the thing I was about to share. I didn't feel good about any of it. Because he said, I, I was about to tell him, well, so-and-so did this, and so-and-so did that. But he said, I just didn't feel good about that. So the commanders got in there. They were debriefing. He had all of his men, his, his SEAL team. They were all in there in this room together with him and the commanders. And they had Jocko get up and give us a debriefing of what went wrong. So Jocko looked at his men. He goes, men. I want to hear from you. What do you think went wrong? And one of his guys spoke up and said, you know, Jocko, I'm sorry, man. I could have communicated better. I didn't let you know what we were doing on that side. He said his, his wounded man was in there. He had his face was shot up. He had his bandages on. And all these guys start taking the blame. The next guy said, well, you know, our Iraqi soldiers were they're they're green and you know I, I lost control of them and they just 
It just got crazy. And Jocko spoke up. He said, I want to tell all you guys. He said, it wasn't your fault. It wasn't your fault. It wasn't all the guys that spoke and said, hey, it's my fault. It's like a Spartacus moment. Hey, it's my fault. I'll take the He said, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. It's not. He said, you know whose fault it is? He said, it's all my fault. It's my fault. I'm the only one to blame. He said him taking the ownership for that had the opposite effect of what he thought it was going to have. He said his commanders actually after that trusted him more. He said his men respected him more. And he made that point. He said, you know what? If we will take radical responsibility for things in our life, it's true in war, it's true in business, it's true in life. And as I sat there listening to this when I was working out, I was like, you know what? And it's spiritually true also. If we will take the ownership for what is going And I thought, that is what faith is. I will take ownership. I will take responsibility for where my life is and what's happening. And I'm going to own this because because if I do that, then that's going to cause me to take action for God. That's going to cause me to rely on God radically. And because I do that, I'm going to perform actions. And I'm going to do things that please God. That is what faith is all about. Wow. Wow. Whatever we're facing, we take ownership. Let's pick up our God-given faith and move forward in the name of Jesus. Look at this, Hebrews. Look at what they did. Through faith, they conquered. Through faith, they enforced justice. They obtained promises. See all the verbs here? They stopped the mouths of lions. Through faith, they quenched the power of fire. Is everyone listening here? You're yawning. You're not listening. They escaped the edge of the sword. They were made strong out of weakness, Hebrews 11.34. They became mighty in war. They put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might retain a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains of imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, and mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy of them. I want to tell you, my friends, faith in God means you are walking at another level. Faith in God means you are attempting something for the Lord that's bigger than you. Faith means you're going to own it. Faith means I'm going to put my trust in God and I'm going to attempt it. Faith means that it's going to push me out there because that's what faith does because it's a responsibility taking action that says if I believe and I have a confident expectation in who God really says he is, then that's got to be translated to something in my life. Most of us will never go to war, but every day we wake up in a spiritual war. 
Most of us have never described or lived through something the way Jocko did or other soldiers have, but I want to tell you, every day we battle in the spirit realm, and it works the same exact way. If you want victories over the demonic, if you want victory over the battles in your life, I want to tell you something. You've got to take responsibility for it, and you've got to say, you know what? I've got a confident expectation that God is who he says he is, and if he is who he says he is, I will march by myself against 10,000 demons because they can't stop me because God is with me. If you're ready to be that kind of a man or woman of faith, I want you to stand to your feet right now. You're ready to be that kind of man or woman of faith. I want you to stand to your feet. Come on. Hallelujah. 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 Jesus. Praise you, Father. We bless you, Lord. Hallelujah. God's calling a company of people to become people of great faith. If you want to become a person of great faith, I want you to get out of your chair. I want you to come to this altar right now. Hurry, hurry, hurry. I want to be that person of great faith. I want you to come. Walk all the way as close as you can to the front to make room for everybody that wants to come. Lift your hands to the Lord. Commit yourself to that today. Lord Jesus, I pray, give me a fresh baptism in your spirit. Give me a fresh baptism of fire today. I want to be part of that company of people with great faith. God, I'm not going to live and dwell in fear. But God, I'm going to operate. I may feel fear sometime. I may feel worry and doubt sometime, but I'm going to operate in faith. See, there's the difference. I may feel worry. I may feel fear, but that's not going to rule me. My faith is going to rule me. My faith is going to push through. My faith is going to take ownership. My faith is going to take responsibility and say, but God, God can do it. God can show up. God can change anything. God can do the miraculous. God can break every chain. God can break lies off of people. There's some people people in here. You've got a fog of lies around you and the devil has got you and the Lord wants to break that off today in the name of Jesus. The Lord, we just declare there'd be a breaking off of lies in the name of Jesus, a breaking off of doubt and chains, Father, that are restricting free movement in this life, Lord. God, I pray in your powerful name for your glory to come down in this room, for your glory to come down right now. Lord, we pray that chains would fall off. God, that faith would would rise. God, let faith arise in the name of Jesus. Just ask the Lord that right now. Say, God, I pray you would give me a baptism, a filling of faith. God, you're the supplier of faith. God, I pray that you will just pour out your faith. Build more faith in me in the name of Jesus. God, I want to believe for crazy things. God, I want to believe for the radical. And Lord, I want to operate in Hebrews 11 faith. So God, here I stand. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. This message and other resources are available at DestinyDayton.com.